Noswaitha. Good evening. Once again, I'll be discussing uh, the story of Owain. That is one of the three romances that's the current subject of this season of Celtic Source. And last week we touched upon uh, the comparable uh, old French tale, Avain or Yvain. I'm not really sure how you're supposed to pronounce that. There must be some French pronunciation or old French pronunciation of that originally Welsh word. And of course, it's worth bearing in mind that that old French version by Chrétien de Troyes was almost certainly uh, originally a Welsh or Brythonic story. Uh, as I mentioned last week, there's a fair amount of evidence to suggest that Chrétien de Troyes used an original Welsh source. But it is worth bearing in mind that I am reading a Celtic mythology. I would call it a Brythonic mythology uh, in a Welsh tale, which is based on an old French story, which is itself based on an early Welsh source. It is worth bearing that in mind as we talk through this evening's material as well. Owain, of course, is certainly one of these characters that are associated closely with animals, or characters that have animal aspects. And although this medieval use of this motif of a human character associated with an animal, although in the medieval period the mythological meaning or deeper meaning of that association may have been lost, it's still worth looking at how this quite complex myth arises in the story. It's worth looking exactly at how Owain is associated with a special animal and trying to derive from this 13th century story um, what the older myth may have been. Uh, and to do that, of course, we're going to have to compare Owain's story with other stories so that we can at least guess that we're on the right track. Um, I'm always saying that if we compare two old stories and there is a similarity between those two old stories, uh, it's a hint at least that they are both uh, emerging from a similar cultural strand, that they are both in some way evoking a similar older myth. And we can see you know, in the evolution of storytelling, how when stories travel across the lands, they obviously evolve and change. Storytellers make different uses of them. Different audiences demand uh, different variations of stories to entertain them. But often the basic form of the story, the underlying mythology, is preserved. Uh, and I think in particular when we're looking at the association of Owain with his special animal, we can see many similarities with other stories, which leads us into an interpretation of uh, a theoretical older myth. There is no explicit text that describes this myth. We can only derive what this myth may have been by identifying all of the similar elements in all of these different stories. So with that said, what is Owain's special animal? Well, it is, of course, the lion. This, uh, of course, was picked up by Chrétien de Troyes 
Uh, in his version, Avain, which of course has a subtitle, The Knight with the Lion. And in the Welsh version of this story, in Owain, in Yarlles Afynon, we find that the lion appears quite early on. In this section of the story that we're about to look at now, Owain has uh, already fought and and beat the Black Knight and has chased after him and has arrived at the splendid gleaming fortress uh, that is the Black Knight's home. Uh, And Owain has been drawn into the life of that court through the character Lyned, Uh, and is about to be introduced to the Lady of the Well, the Lady of the Fountain, who is, of course, in mourning for her husband, whom Owain has just killed, and Elined is going to present Owain as a replacement husband, essentially, because Lyned is, of course, besotted with Owain. And at midday, the next day, Owain put on a tunic and surcoat and cloak of yellow brocaded silk, and a wide border of gold thread in the cloak, and boots of speckled leather on his feet, with an image of a golden lion fastening them. And they came to the countess's chamber, and the countess welcomed them. The appearance of the lion, even just as an ornament on his shoe, Uh, is significant here because we are entering into the next phase of the story. This is a new chapter. The Lady of the Well, in many ways, even though she's quite a passive character, is also in many ways the main focus of the story because it's the Lady of the Well that causes Owain to essentially grow as a man. And it's interesting that at the very moment that he meets the Lady of the Well, the lion is present in symbolic fashion. And it's interesting that the lion is a clasp on his shoe, uh, suggesting that there is a journey implied here, that the lion is somehow going to be a part of the journey that Owain is beginning at this moment in particular, in meeting the woman who he is essentially going to fall in love with. Now, of course, in both Chrétien de Troyes' version and in this version, Owain essentially gets together with the Lady of the Well and they seem very happy. But in the Welsh version, in Owain, um, Arthur and his retinue turn up and essentially entice Owain back to Arthur's court. And Owain, you know, essentially says to the Lady of the Well, hey, look, I'm only going to be gone for three months and then I'll be back. Is that okay?" And she responds, yes, of course, you know, just come back in three months time. But of course, Owain spends three years away from the Lady of the Well. It's as if he hadn't quite appreciated what he had. Uh, He is taken once again with the life and adventure and excitement and good companionship of Arthur's court. Of course, in Irvine, uh, Chrétien de Troyes' version, he essentially decides to go on big adventures uh, and he's so enamoured with his adventures that he totally forgets about uh, his good lady wife, the Lady of the Well. In the Welsh story now, in Owain, after he has spent three years away, Lyned turns up and essentially tells him off and says, how dare you, you have essentially betrayed the Lady of the Well. And it's as if in that moment, 
after spending three years apart from this woman that he's essentially married to, um, it's as if Owain suddenly realises how wrong he's been, how naive he's been in many ways, in totally forgetting about this other life that he'd had and the commitment that he had made to this woman who, remember, it was he who killed her husband. He was the reason why she needed to marry another man because, of course, in this patriarchal setting, you need a man on the on the throne, on the top of the pyramid, to defend the territory from other men. And it's as if Owain didn't realise this during the time he spent at Arthur's court, those three years, and then all of a sudden, bang, it hits him like a hammer in the head. What have I been doing? And he goes into a depression. He goes into a type of grief. And it's from that moment onward that he appears to go on another nightly adventure. But instead of going on a nightly adventure seeking uh, to prove his bravery and seeking to uh, fight uh, in great battles and win great honour for himself, the adventure is no longer about that. The adventure from this point onward appears to be him seeking his mature self, Owain seeking the man that he needs to be to really fulfil his destiny, let's say, to really be the man that the Lady of the Well needs. She doesn't just need a man who is strong and brave and can fight well and duff up his enemies. She also needs a man a partner, a king, a lord, if you like, who knows how to serve. So this second adventure that Owen goes on essentially allows him to practice his service. And the lion, as a symbolic animal, plays a very important part in this adventure. Owen begins serving people begins performing uh, very humble deeds to help other people. And one of those deeds is the aid he gives to a lion. So Owain has essentially succeeded in rescuing another helpless dame uh, from an aggressive man who's trying to take over her lands. Uh, and this man's host pitched their tents around the castle, and in return for his life, the earl, who was attacking this woman, gave back to the countess the two earldoms. And in return for his freedom, he gave up half his own domain and all her gold and silver jewels that he'd nicked off her and pledges to meet that. So Owain is the hero. He succeeded in uh, scaring off this earl uh, and leaving the countess in possession of of her rightful wealth and lands. And Owain set off, and the Countess invited him to stay, and all to be his domain, but Owain wanted nothing except to travel the remote and uninhabited regions of the world. All well and good. And as he was travelling thus, he heard a loud shriek in a forest, and a second and a third. And he approached, and when he got there, he could see a huge cliff in the middle of the forest and a grey rock in the side of the cliff. And there was a cleft in the rock, 
and a snake in the cleft, and a pure white lion near the snake. And whenever the lion tried to get away, the snake would dart towards him, and then the lion would shriek. Owain drew his sword and approached the rock, and as the snake was coming out of the rock, Owain struck it with his sword, so it lay in two halves on the ground, and he wiped his sword and continued on his way as before. But he could see the lion following him, playing around him like a greyhound he had reared himself, and they travelled throughout the day until evening. When it was time for Owain to rest, he dismounted and let his horse graze in a level wooded meadow, and Owain lit a fire, and by the time he had the fire ready, the lion had enough firewood for three nights, and the lion disappeared, but then at once returned with a large, fine roebuck, and he dropped it in front of Owain and went to lie on the other side of the fire from him. And from here on, the lion essentially helps Owain as much as is physically possible, uh, fighting bravely uh, against several of Owain's foes. Now, without going into too much detail about the rest of the story, it's worth noting that the relationship between Owain and the lion isn't an easy one at all. At some point in the story, Owain, try Owain tries to stop the lion from helping him, um, as if Owain is somehow uncomfortable with receiving help because he is such a great and noble warrior himself. So it's as if he hasn't quite been able to let go of this idea of himself as uh, the great brave warrior. It takes time for him to accept the help of the lion. Before we go on to look at what the lion means um, explicitly, it's worth spending a little time with the snake, of course. Now, this is a tale that's been copied down uh, at the height of Christian power in Europe in many ways. It takes another few centuries for this uh, style of Christianity for Catholicism to be threatened in any way. And of course, the snake is a very potent image in the Christian story of Adam and Eve. The snake is representing something bad, yeah, something that's uh, trying to tempt you. Now, even though many of the overtly Christian interpretations of this story, and there's one very explicit Christian interpretation of the lion, which doesn't quite work. Um, the snake obviously would carry this meaning at the time. Uh, people would have easily identified the snake with the snake in the Garden of Eden. And here we have uh, another symbolic animal in many ways. And it's worth asking, what is Owain slaying when he slays the snake? In the French tale, Avain, it's a dragon, of course, which makes the association less clear. But we can see how both reptiles could represent something in Owain that he's trying to kill off. Something that he's trying to kill off that will ultimately release that aspect of him that's represented by the lion. I would say that the snake represents his pride and his desire for greatness and fame his desire for acknowledgement, for being the best. 
that there is um, a weakness in him which drives him to this arrogance in many ways, although you could say that it's um, not necessarily misplaced pride because Owain is clearly the greatest and best warrior. But that uh, self-perception is also getting the getting in the way of another aspect of Owain, which is more important, which is of greater value within this storytelling context. And the symbolic association of the lion is best described in a paper that was written several decades ago now. Now, I know I said I wasn't going to look too closely at the scholarly research associated with the three romances. But in this instance, it's worth doing it because the quote I'm about to read you uh, puts it really well. Uh, and although many other people have reached the same conclusion, uh, I really like this description. It's a very succinct description of what the lion means. Um, and it's from a paper by Norris Lacey, Avine's Evolution or Avain's Evolution and the Role of the Lion. Uh, in Romance Notes, Volume 12, which I think was from the early 80s. But this is what Lacey has to say about the lion. Avine must now work to make himself worthy of Laudine's love. Laudine in the old French tale is, of course, the Lady of the Well. So Lacey here is talking about the episode in the old French story where Avina's recognise for the first time that he's lost something of great value by leaving the Lady of the Well and going off adventuring. And from this point on, he cannot pause in his search for a new reputation and identity. So this second adventure, as I, as I said earlier, is about Irvine or Owain discovering this more mature aspect of themselves. That this identity is symbolised by the lion is made evidence not only by his literal association with the animal, but also by the very name by which he wishes henceforth to be known, Le Chevalier au Lion, which gives Chrétien d'Etoise a subtitle to the story, of course. This isn't part of Owain, by the way. Uh, this isn't mentioned that Owain wants to be known as uh, this type of knight in the, in the Welsh story. The name is not casually chosen. During the second half of the romance, Irvine puts himself at the service of others, just as the lion at the same time puts himself in Irvine's service. The lion must then be the personification of his master's new purpose and resolve. So the lion, of course, remember, is a tame lion. Essentially, after Owain symbolically kills off arrogant pride and ambition, that part of him which wishes to serve comes forth in the form of the lion. And the lion then is like a tame animal, like a dog almost, uh, dancing around Owain as he rides uh, through the lands, uh, serves Owain, helps him gather firewood, looks after him, uh, fights on his behalf, does all of these things in service of Owain which is a really interesting symbolic image in many ways that Owain's own sense of service and humble service, the acknowledgement that the best thing he can do now is to use his great power and strength in service of others, that also serves him 
Yeah, it's good for him. It helps him. And inevitably, when this lion is released and allowed to fight fully, uh, then Owain wins, basically. Uh, Owain succeeds in those battles. So there we have a, a, a very clear symbolic association between the lion and Owain. This is clearly a symbolic animal, totemic almost. And we find similar conflations of human and animal in many, many other stories. We need only think of the first branch of the Mabinogi, where Rhiannon is very closely associated with the horse, where her son, Prideri, is very closely associated with a foal, um, where Bendigeidvran, whose name means literally blessed crow, or Blodeyev, who becomes an owl, or Llei, who becomes an eagle. Many of the more important characters from Celtic myth in general, we can think of plenty of comparable figures in Irish myth also, have this very close association with animals. So I would say this is very clearly one of the more ancient aspects of the story of Owain. Just as the lord of animals is obviously from a very ancient mythological lineage, this close association between Owain and animals is also clearly from an ancient, deeper mythology. Both of these older elements incorporated into the narrative are also quite closely related. If you think back to the Lord of Animals, who appears at the very beginning of Owain's story, remember that he's described like this. So this is Kanon now, the first to tell the story of the black-haired man. And I greeted the black-haired man, but he replied discourteously. I asked him what power he had over those animals. I will show you, little man, he said. And he took the club in his hand, and with it he struck a deer a great blow, so that it gave a great bellow. And at this bellow, wild animals came up until they were as numerous as the stars in the sky, so that they were so that there was scarcely room for me to stand in the clearing with them. What with all the serpents and lions and vipers and other kinds of animals, he looked at them and ordered them to go to graze. So the Welsh storyteller here is explicitly mentioning lions and Vipers and serpents, snakes and lions. The self-same symbolic animals that Owain reveals his maturing self through. Yeah, He's killed off the serpent and adopted the lion. Now, this is interesting. What is the connection between Owain and his symbolic animals and the Lord of Animals? Well, it's not explicitly clear, but there obviously is some connection. I don't know if you remember, but in the session two weeks back now, when I was discussing this Lord of Animals, this medieval version of a much earlier mythological figure who appears to be some kind of god associated with the wild abundance of the land, I explained that the Lord of Animals, the medieval Lord of Animals, stands at the very beginning of this story of what is essentially an initiation into maturity. 
that the Lord of Animals is the instigator in many ways of this growth and development. If we consider the similarity between the episode with the Lord of Animals and the first branch of the Mabinogi, for example, um, where I described how it's essentially the same story structure, the, the same deep mythology is obviously part of both stories, where we have an otherworldly character who is closely associated with the wild, Araun in the first branch of the Mabinogi, the Lord of Animals in Owain, uh, both introduce a young nobleman to uh, an otherworldly space where there is a contest of arms and the young nobleman essentially goes on to try and prove himself. Now, of course, uh, Owain follows in the footsteps of Cunon and goes through exactly the same procedure, uh, goes through exactly the same pattern of behaviour and succeeds in passing all of the tests in many ways and being reborn at the other side as a mature and wiser man whose power and strength and bravery is put in service of others, which is, of course, the whole reason for stories such as The Three Romances. It's to exemplify to the young warrior elite what true service looks like what true nobility looks like. It's not just going out and duffing each other up and being brave on the battlefield. That is a big part of it. But beyond that, there is the service that is provided to the community. So we can look at the story of Owen in particular as one long initiatory sequence whereby over the period of several years... Owain grows into a mature man while being accompanied by symbols associated with the Lord of Animals, the lions and the snakes. They're there right at the very beginning. They are there at a crucial moment when Owain meets um, uh, the woman who is going to be the cause of his growth. They are there at the moment directly after Owain begins to serve and they are there in the form of the lion continually throughout uh, Owain's attempt to learn about his new self that he continually rejects but ultimately this new, more humble, more mature self arises and the lion is fully accepted and allowed to fight on Owain's behalf. Uh, in those symbolic terms. If you want to sign up for the free Taliesin Origins video course, then please visit the Celtic Source Facebook page, where you can also find other similar bits of content I've created. Just go to Facebook and search for Celtic Source. If you're interested in signing up for a longer paid course, please visit the website gwilmore.com that's spelled to G-W-I-L-M for mother, O-R dot com. And you can also watch the video versions of these podcasts, image and text slides included, by subscribing to the Celtic Source YouTube channel. Diolch